Hello, one and all. Welcome back to the AirPod. I'm your host, Omid Scobie, bringing you the latest goings on in the House of Windsor. And I'm not alone. Maggie Rooley. Hi, Omid. Thanks for <laughs> joining me again. Friend of the show. Part of the family. Oh, I always love being here. Uh, it's, it's been the end of a, a whirlwind. Harry and Meghan are officially back in Canada. <laughs> and, went by, uh, it went by long and fast. Can that happen? Yeah, well, the bill... I f- <laughs> I f- we had a really long build up to this from the start of the year up until now and it then just there was this whirlwind farewell tour and then boom that's a good point i think i i I think about how many live shots i did talking about them coming Mm. and the countdown and then finally they were here and i was like we've been talking about this for months the moment is here (laughs) so it definitely was you're right a long build up definitely a bittersweet end i think for the couple but of course an exciting start for something new as Mm -hmm. well we'll go right into that later into the show including my uh experience going to duchess megan's last engagement poignantly at buckingham palace it was an emotional uh, morning, shall mm-hmm. I say, before the Commonwealth ceremony. Uh, we haven't even spoken about the Commonwealth ceremony. It feels like a lot has actually happened since oh, the wow. last episode. Uh, <laughs> we haven't? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Way too much has happened. Yes, a lot. Uh, but before that, top headlines, coronavirus. Yeah. It has affected everyone mm-hmm. uh, in every sphere of the, the planet, uh, including the royal family, who you know, I guess are famous for their keep calm and carry on approach to things, but at the moment are now sort of stepping it into a new gear. We've had a slew of cancellations uh, uh, through all of the households. I'll be going through all of those later in the show. But um, yeah, it's been, I mean, it's been the story that's dominated your week. Hasn't yeah, it? you just rocked my world reminding me that the Commonwealth um, celebration was on Monday. Yeah. Because that seems like a lifetime ago. I think so much has changed just in the past 48 hours. I mean, if you had told me last week that we would be headlining this podcast talking about coronavirus and the royals, yeah. I would have thought you were crazy. And now it seems like we can't not mention it. It's it's everywhere. Yeah, I, I think we've had this build up. We've watched it, mm-hmm. of course, go from the Far East through to the Middle East mm-hmm. into Central Europe. And now it's sort of entering our space mm-hmm. and it's happened very quickly. And of course, I mean, you've been at the forefront of the coverage over here. It's changed in the last couple of days, I I think even in the US as well. People have gone from not really thinking it's going to affect them to things shutting down almost overnight. And I think what's been wild to see is that it's affecting not only just thousands of sort of nameless uh, statistics that you see come out in the news, but also high profile people. We've seen so many world leaders now fall ill with Mm. COVID-19, you know, the first lady in Canada, many Brazilian leaders, the UK health minister here. Uh, And so all of a sudden you realize you're like, they're not people who are people, celebrities, mm. uh, heads of state, you know, even they're the royal family. Yeah. They're not immune to this. It can hit anyone. And so I think all of a sudden, that's why you see these cancellations and uh, this sort of uh, cautious fear that's been building. Well, let's talk about that because on Tuesday, Prince Charles was due to fly over to Bosnia uh, for the beginning of a tour and Camilla was going to join him afterwards for Cyprus and Jordan. And that was very much a big part of their calendar this year. And Clarence House has just announced, uh, I'll read the statement out, says that owning to the unfolding situation with the coronavirus pandemic, the British government has asked their royal highnesses to postpone their spring tour. Mm. Now, I've had a conversation with Clarence House and they say that both of them are in good health. Of course, we have to be aware of their age. You know, they do fall into a demographic that is slightly more at risk 
than perhaps the younger members of the royal family. But they're really doing this based on the advice of the British government. And what they're going to do with the extra time they have called it was a six day tour they're actually looking at some engagements to carry out in the UK Mm. not of course large gatherings but something they can do to sort of fill the time because they of course still want to work but of course now that we had an announcement literally just before I got here Buckingham Palace confirmed that the Queen has also rescheduled engagements uh, in the UK so she was due in Camden in London and Cheshire which is a few hours from the city Uh, And they write, as a sensible precaution and for practical reasons in the current circumstances, changes are being made to the Queen's diary commitments in the coming weeks. And they write, in consultation with the medical household and government, Her Majesty's forthcoming visits will be rescheduled. So the and they 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 continued to say that the audiences that she has continue behind the scenes. Of course, we saw her uh, meet the High Commissioner of Sri Lanka earlier mm. this week, and there were photos of them not shaking hands. Yeah, and yeah. that's kind of something that we've seen become the norm now for all members of the royal family. I'm obsessed with Prince Charles's Namaste. Oh, it's so good. Uh, at any engagement he's attended <laughs> in the past week. I'm, I think I'm going to copy that, actually. It's because a it's, the, it's a kind of like non-offensive way of yeah. saying to someone, like, I don't want to touch you. Um, Take the hint. Namaste. But I appreciate you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of got good vibes to it. Yeah, I'm, it I'm all for that. But yeah, this, is, you know, this has affected the work of all members of the royal family. And of course, with big uh, events and large gatherings also being sort of locked down in the UK. We're also seeing Princess Anne. She's had to pull out uh, from her appearance at the Six Nations rugby match because, of course, that's been cancelled. And the Duke of Edinburgh's award has been cancelled. There was an award ceremony that was coming up for that that was to be attended by Prince Edward. That has been shut down too. So it's really kind of affecting their work massively Mm. and we're going to see very little of the royal family over the next coming weeks if this is how it's going to be moving forward it seems like it's going to be like this and again it's so fascinating to watch how it's unfolding it seems like in the last 48 hours everyone's paying attention and then to get Mm. these big announcements from the royals you realize how big of a deal this is going to be for the royal family for the uk really for the world and i think it'll be a very also monumental sign when the royals come back out it'll be sort of a very uplifting moment for the people here in the United Kingdom to, to see sort of this leadership again. Yeah. And it's kind of an example. Sometimes people ask, I'm sure they ask us all the time, you know, what's the point of the monarchy? Hey, yeah. And I almost feel like, like, oh, well, this is sort of a time where they could uh, be leaders exactly. for the country and show this leadership and even just the way that they're showing uh, different ways to uh, greet people now. Mm. Uh, people can adopt that. It's an education. And then when we do finally see them again, I think it'll be a moment where we're on the other side of this. And so uh, it's a rem- reminder that they still really do have this huge uh, symbolic presence here. Absolutely. And at 93 year olds, you know, the Queen has carried this country through Mm. so much, through wars, through recessions, through major deaths. Uh, You know, she has really been someone that this country turns to in times of need. And I think it was only last week we saw the Queen wearing gloves at an investiture. And, you know, she hasn't worn gloves in her photos uh, for decades um, at this particular event, because, of course, there is that sort of personal Mm -hmm. intimacy in that moment that is very special for the person on the receiving end. And, of course, all the press picked up on that. And I think the palace was really keen to not... Uh, starts a, a sense of panic because mm-hmm. if a queen is there to be calm and to lead mm-hmm. and you know the response from the palace was that she was simply following guidance that the government was giving everyone in the country which was just to be cautious and to be aware of hygiene and so on 
And so I think, as you say, when the royals come back out, when they are traveling again, when they are shaking mm-hmm. hands again, I think that will be a sign to the country that it's sort of it's time to breathe a sigh of relief yeah. that the, yeah. the, the worst of it is over and so people will be looking to lean on them for that mm-hmm. support mm-hmm. i think i'm ready for that i'm ready for them to be back yeah they haven't even left yet and i, I want it back <laughs> it'll be tough i mean you know uh, uh, megan left on monday mm-hmm. after the commonwealth service and i think we expected harry to fly at the same time he actually stayed back for mm-hmm. meetings and as the days went by, I think people, and I certainly received a lot of messages on social media, people were worried that perhaps he may get stuck here because, oh. of course, would flights from UK mm-hmm. to Canada eventually be shut down at some point? He did actually fly back on Thursday to be reunited with the family. So panic over. They're safe. <laughs> They're together. Uh, speaking of them, Archie, you know, we, we all expected Archie to be here. And I think there was some people questioned why he didn't Mm. come in the end and of course it was a business trip we shouldn't expect to see him every time they they come to this country but actually the main reason and this was confirmed to me by a source close to the couple they just didn't want to travel with Archie in the middle Mm. of what was about to become a pandemic and of course it did become one so it was sensible sensible parenting well, just adds that level of stress too, right? That when you're caring about yourself, it's a whole other ballgame when you're caring about your young infant child. And so it seems responsible to want him to be in the best best hands that he can be. So, I mean, at, at the moment, the palace is really saying that it's a day-by-day thing. They're really sort of monitor, monitoring the situation. There are, of course, bigger events coming up. You know, Prince Harry is coming back to the oh. UK in April for the London Marathon. Will the London Marathon go ahead or are we too close to this? Uh, the Invictus Games is in May in The Hague. That's, of course, a huge global gathering. Will that yeah. go ahead? You know, Prince Charles is visiting Rwanda in June for the Commonwealth Heads of Government meeting. Mm-hmm. Will that take place? So there's still a lot that we don't know. I mean, you're obviously at the centre of this story covering it. Where are we at now in terms of UK and Europe? Oh gosh, that's the big question. I think it's the question everyone wants to know. I mean, obviously right now, Italy has just become this epicentre for Europe and the numbers that are coming out, you know, honestly, they're kind of terrifying. We Mm. spoke with some Italian doctors earlier this week and his biggest warning, he just said, you know, Italy is about two to three weeks ahead of the UK and other European countries. So what they're seeing there, he sort of gave a very dire warning. He was like, you guys are going to see this in the UK and the United States unless precautions happen. And even if those precautions happen, you're still going to get a huge influx. And so it was sort of terrifying to speak with him, Mm. actually. He's one of the top infectious doctors in Milan. But he did say, you know, prepare now. Uh, Hopefully hospitals get beds ready, get extra ventilators ready. People can practice things like social distancing, uh, like, you know, not maybe shaking hands like we saw the royals do. So all those things, he said, really can help. But unfortunately, you think about that two to three weeks behind Italy here in the UK. Uh, Italy is still going into their peak of this virus outbreak. Uh, So many experts are saying the UK could be living through this now for a couple of months, Mm. which when you think about that, you know, that butts into the marathon Harry's supposed to be coming back for. It puts the Invictus Games in peril as well. Yeah. Well, Uh, we still don't know what's happening with the Tokyo Olympics. Yeah, exactly. Major events that seem like they're far away, but when you're dealing with a crisis that might last for a couple months and totally disrupt life as we know it Mm. you know how long is it going to take to come back 
on the other end of that. Well, as we know, the summer season for Royals is usually quiet engagements Mm. sort of wind down a little bit. But one thing that is prevalent throughout the summer and is a key part of the Royal summer season is the Queen's garden parties at Buckingham Mm. Palace. And they're now uh, sort of in jeopardy because I think there's a couple of weeks left before they sort of have to make a decision about whether the first few go ahead or not because it is a large gathering you know people I think people think of the garden parties as an exclusive event and it is to an extent but they do see you know a good sort of five six hundred people descend on the palace from around the country um the the grounds are big and so Mm -hmm. again this sort of comes under that category of large gatherings and whether that's safe uh, it's going to be interesting. I mean, even before we filmed the show, we were talking about how this affects our work as yeah. well. I mean, this podcast is likely to be mm-hmm. uh, recorded from home from the next episode for the next couple of weeks at least. And of course, it, you know, as, as you as a foreign correspondent for a major news organization, that affects your work massively. It's really unprecedented. Everyone here keeps saying we've never dealt with something like this really in kind of the, the history that we've been reporting television because uh, it's not just affecting you know our bureau here in London but uh, New York LA Chicago all mm. of the outlets all the places that we report from are getting affected and essentially they're having us not really travel anymore they just can't risk it and it's kind of irresponsible uh, and then even coming into the office it gets to the point where you know I've been uh, really trying to remind young people in particular that even if you're healthy and this might not uh, impact you uh, in a critical way, you know, if you practice things like social distancing and self-isolating if you're sick, you can really save lives. You'll save lives not only in this high-risk category of people who are elderly, but also people with compromised immune systems, which is a large portion of the population, because it's people with even things like asthma, you know, are part of that group. So uh, it's sort of you really rely on people uh, to make the changes that can make a difference. Mm. And I've been reporting on this daily, and I realize, you know, I have to do that too, which means maybe not coming into the office if you don't have to, Uh, canceling plans with friends on a Saturday night, you know, doing things that you might feel fine enough to do, but if you want to stop this, if you want to actually save lives, right, you have to practice what you're preaching. And so uh, that might mean, you know, us not getting out to hang out one-on-one. We'll make it work. We can make it work. The technology will bring us together. Don't worry. We'll still get the podcast out. (laughs) Social what's the word social social distancing social distancing is not the new unconscious coupling because yeah. <laughs> I read a story this morning in one of the papers that said that it was and I was really? like wait yeah. no no don't do it <laughs> yeah yeah no we're going to make it work and I think the big thing is like we talk about all this and it can be really overwhelming and scary, but there's actually just a lot of little things you can do that can make a huge difference. And so it's not about making everyone fearful or, you know, yeah. all of a sudden the royals are, we don't see them. And so everyone's freaking out. It's not about, you know, ensuing fear or panic. It's actually just really about doing things that are smart, that are common sense, that if you do sort of these small things now, it can have a huge impact and save lives so that it doesn't get to the point where it gets really bad. Exactly. And so it's not, we're not panicking. We're just being smart about things. A big difference, and you know, taking those steps to, to make a difference. Absolutely. I was speaking to one of the royal aides, one mm-hmm. of the senior royal aides, this morning, and he said, "You know, we're not panicking. Mm-hmm. We're following a device. We're keeping calm. You yeah. know, as <laughs> they course. are where the expression comes from. Um, but but more importantly, we're adapting. Mm-hmm. So the work continues, and and that was what he sort of emphasised. It is business as usual. They're not shutting down operations. They're not not working." They are just sort of changing the way that they're having to do it. Mm. After the break, we're going to talk about uh, Prince Harry, who is the victim of a really awful hoax. I mean, I've 
yeah, this was a tough one. Mm. I, I really felt for him, especially after the tough couple of weeks that the couple have had. Um, and we'll also be looking at the Duchess of Sussex's final royal engagement at Buckingham Palace. Well, welcome back. As I mentioned earlier in the show, Prince Harry uh, was victim to Russian hoaxes this week who tricked him into thinking he was on a phone call with Greta Thunberg and her parents. Uh, the calls that were recorded and sold to the Sun newspaper in the UK and then put on YouTube uh, took place at the start of the year from calls that were made to his Vancouver Island home that he's currently renting with Megan. It brings up questions about royal security, mm-hmm. but also uh, comes at a time when the Sussexes have really been through enough. I mean, Maggie, you covered this story. Oh, it was I don't know. it was just gut wrenching. I first off, I hate malicious pranks because anything that purposely makes someone else feel stupid is just mean, right? Yeah. Uh, this prankster duo in particular, they're kind of notorious in Russia, Vladimir and Alexei, and um, they've done it to a lot of people. So you know, first and foremost, it, you know, a lot of people. Were, it makes someone feel stupid to fall victim to a prank, but he wasn't alone. This is very common. They also pranked Elton John. Mm. They've pranked politicians and other celebrities. They're good at what they do. It's mean, but they get a lot of people. Kind of what their shtick is, they'll often uh, do these interviews. They fake being someone, and then uh, sometimes they'll sell clips to a newspaper, uh, but just a clip, and it's then you have to go to their YouTube page and subscribe to see the whole interview. So, you know, they're doing this for monetary gain. They're doing it to get subscribers. Yeah. Uh, it's clearly, you know, it's mean, and they do not have anyone's best interest at heart. Harry fell victim to it this time, and uh, listening to it, you know, it's just, it's always tough when you hear someone become vulnerable and open up because they trust the person on the other line. And then to have that flipped on them, it's just so difficult. And they got him to talk about a lot of really personal things. You know, he talked about um, his family. He talked yeah. about how difficult it had been this time. You know, things that a lot of newspapers had been speculating about. Um, they got him to open up and get really vulnerable. And so it was just, it was difficult. You know, I hate that kind of stuff. And yeah. I just really felt for them. Absolutely. I spoke with a source close to Harry earlier in the week and just said that I think he, he wasn't so concerned about what was said on the call and that being out there because he stands by, mm. you know, what he says. He's not, not there to hide anything from anyone. But it's that feeling of violation mm-hmm. And it, you know, it's not a pleasant feeling to to experience. And I think the fact that the audio didn't just go out through the usual channels onto this uh, duo's YouTube channel, it got sold to a British tabloid who were eager to exploit the contents of it for sales, but also to make Harry look Mm -hmm. stupid. And the timing, too. You know, they had just had this huge trip back to the UK. All, like we were saying, we've been talking about it for months. All eyes were on them. Mm. So to have it come out when the trip was still just wrapping up, and as you mentioned, Harry was by himself, you know, it, it, it the timing was just also sort of um, an extra stick in the eye, right? It was like, if it wasn't bad enough, now everyone's looking at you during this hoax, during this time when you're by yourself. Yeah, this reminds me of a story I covered in 2012 when uh, it was announced that the Duchess of Cambridge was pregnant and she'd been admitted to mm. uh, King Edward VII's hospital in London and an Australian radio DJ had managed to trick the hospital into thinking that they were palace officials or whatever and they needed to get through to... Kate's room and they ended up speaking with a nurse Jacintha Saldana who ended up I think revealing a couple of personal details 
about the Duchess and then it was played on the radio station uh, as a joke and of course the DJs killed themselves laughing and sort of made a mockery of the whole situation. This nurse was so mortified by what happened that a very short time later she was found dead and she had taken her own life as what um, was later discovered. And I think that that was a real reminder that these things can have serious, serious consequences. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, members of the royal family aren't no strangers to phone hoaxes. In 1995, the Queen was uh, pranked by a comedy hoaxer who had tricked her into thinking that she was on the phone with the Canadian Prime Minister, who had got her on the phone for, I think, 17 minutes talking about everything from the weather to her plans for Halloween, which is just random but of course it made a mockery of Mm -hmm. royal security at the time and they had to sort of look at the measures that they took to sort of keep phone lines Mm -hmm. secure and safe and so on diana as we know has phone lines have been tapped this also doesn't veer too far from of course phone hacking scandals and all the rest of it you know prince harry is used to being violated in that sense as well and so it is really a part of a very toxic picture, I think, and one that shouldn't be encouraged. And I worry that newspapers paying money yeah. for content like that only encourages that kind of behaviour from other similar sort of copycats. That's a good point. And I think you make a good point reminding people too that kind of like we were talking about before, they're royals, but uh, they're still people. You know, whether you're a celebrity or a politician or someone who's royal, uh, you still make yourself vulnerable and open yourself up. And so then to have it violated, it's not like that doesn't hurt. And uh, to hear stories like what happened to that poor nurse, it just reminds you how, you know, words can really cut deep in these Mm. types of pranks Mm. or hacks or uh, any type of malicious activity. It can have, you know, real implications in life. Exactly. Well, as I mentioned earlier in the show, Harry is now back in Canada. He stayed back for a few days um, after Meghan left on Monday, uh, carrying out her final engagement at Buckingham Palace before attending the Commonwealth ceremony yeah. uh, in front of the world and then <laughs> flying back to be with Archie uh, the following morning. I think she was really keen to be there to wake him up, mm. uh, having sort of been apart from him for four days. Before we talk about that final engagement, the Commonwealth service itself. Yeah, what do you think? I mean, I think we had spent days mm-hmm. uh, in different stories talking about coming up. The world will see them all come yep, together yep. for the Commonwealth ceremony. And then it happened. Yeah. And I don't think anyone knew what to make of it because it played out in a very different way to what yeah. we were expecting. We expected the Cambridges and the Sussexes to be part of the Queen's procession going into the West, into Westminster Abbey as they had done in the past. And of course, it didn't happen. The Sussexes were, I guess, relegated to the bench in a way, mm. uh, inside, sitting alongside the Wessexes, who uh, were probably brought in to take place of Prince Andrew, who, of course, is no longer yes. in the procession either. Yes. The Cambridges on the programme of the service... Uh, were supposed to be part of that Mm -hmm. procession. Reports suggested that at the last minute it was changed to sort of keep them equal to the Sussexes. Uh, Much had been made about the reasons for that. Um, I I won't go into that now because, quite frankly, I don't know why it changed at the last minute. We can only speculate. I don't think anyone really knows. Um, But yes, all eyes were on the couples when they came in. And I've got to be surprised... I've got to be honest, I was quite surprised that, that there wasn't at least a show of warmth in front yeah. of the world. It was the Sussex's last day. Mm-hmm. 
in a public capacity as working royals. Obviously, they continue until March 31st, Mm -hmm. but they're already back in Canada. And I would have thought that the Commonwealth Service, especially considering as they're continuing as president and vice president of the Queen's Commonwealth Trust, so they're very much Mm -hmm. part of the Commonwealth picture, that that service wasn't a moment for the royal family to say, no matter what has happened in the past few months, we're a family, we support them. And I thought the optics were just weird. You make such a good point because if there was a day that the royal family knew all eyes were on them, all eyes were on this moment, right? I mean, all the news organizations have been talking about the the fact that they were going to be analyzing this moment. So they knew what was happening. They knew what they were getting into. So the fact, again, like you said, that they didn't put on some purposeful show, even if it was a fake show, which I'm not saying it would have been, but still, you know, they... Even if they were going well, to even on if, show. Let's say it was um, fake. I mean, this is, the royal family is a family that understands optics. Yeah. Everything they do, thoughts goes into so it. We're used to those managed moments on moment. tours and yeah. engagements that are done purposefully to send a message to the world. So do you think that moment was a purposeful message? <sighs> Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? I, I would say that, uh, and this ties to Megan's last engagement, that whole morning, I think, was really tough for the couple anyway. Mm. Um, and maybe I'll tell this story backwards. <laughs> At the end of the engagement, uh, I stayed behind after the students that we were with. So this engagement was with the Association... Association. This engagement was, the, was with the Association of Commonwealth Universities, which it, Megan is a royal mm. patron of, and that continues in the new chapter as well. And they had brought in some of their brightest minds, uh, scholars from across the Commonwealth, 11 different countries who are studying here in the UK under through Commonwealth scholarships. And they were attending the service. Some were flag bearers. And they were there to meet with Megan, the the patron, and talk about uh, how the work they're doing is contributing to helping solve some of the problems that the world's facing today. So from climate change, Mm. social justice, uh, gender empowerment, uh, getting more women involved in sciences, the the whole gamut of of kind of relevant issues. Mm Uh, they had all left at this point to get on a minibus to go to Westminster Abbey and Megan stayed behind. I was there with two other journalists and uh, it was a moment for her to say goodbye to some of the staff that have been so loyal to her for the past year uh, since they established the Sussex offices um, for the last time. That was really her moment to say goodbye and it was emotional. I saw... Megan really composed throughout that engagement, uh, talking with the students, engaged. She had done her research. It was like Megan that we know. Yeah. But I think that after the, what was it, week of the farewell tour that she was here for, where the guard was up, this was a moment to be vulnerable uh, amongst familiar faces, friendly faces. And um, it was tough. She, you know, she was tearful. Uh, there were hugs. Uh, I gave her a hug myself uh, to, to say goodbye. You know, we've all been part of this journey with the Sussexes. And I wrote a piece in Harper's Bazaar this week about uh, just sort of looking back to, you know, the moment that I raced up to Kensington Palace yeah. for that photo call by the sunken pond. Uh, where Harry was so excited to share the news of his sidekick, his teammate. You know, he said, we're a team. Uh, For that to sort of be coming to an abrupt end now, two and a half years later, when they're no longer working royals, I think for Meghan, standing in Buckingham Palace doing that engagement would have really hit home because 
A, this isn't a situation that they wanted. We know that they started the year asking for this half-in, half-out model. But at the same time, it also would have been perhaps the last time she'll ever stand in Buckingham Palace as a senior working member of the royal family. I'm sure in the future she'll be, she may be there for Trooping the Colour or whatnot. I don't think that they'll be there this year for that, but who knows? I, I don't have any insights on that. Um, but it would have been, it just would have hit home. Mm-hmm. And it was clear, I think, from her body language and just the way that she was in that, that moment, very real, very vulnerable, very emotional. So to go from that, into the service at Westminster Abbey and a lot of the family members would have known that they would have just finished up their work as well and that she was flying back straight afterwards to not see that sort of like warm arm of a family member or some kind of welcome or effort being made I think it really gave us perhaps our biggest insight into the dynamics of the Sussexes and the royal family Mm. and how that's been for the last couple of years probably our biggest insight ever i just got emotional listening to that recap (laughs) seriously talking about though the moment where it's announced that the you know harry finally found his teammate and has this new partner uh and then driving it home to how emotional was saying goodbye to the staff that they've really you know grown up with together as a couple and it's just a lot this podcast is a lot to handle right now (laughs) yeah i would say it's definitely been a week (laughs) it has been like a month in a week shape form okay i'm gonna ask you this too and i this might be slight speculation from you so i'm just gonna ask you because this was the moment that i think a lot of people saw uh from the, the the commonwealth ceremony and if you didn't see it it appeared as if well first off i will say um both Everyone looked gorgeous at the Commonwealth ceremony. I mean, just the bright colors. And yeah. like, it's a beautiful day, a beautiful ceremony. It is. And, and I think what I love about it is that you obviously have all 54, mm, 54 mm. now, because we've got, is it the Maldives, now part of the Commonwealth, represented, and everyone comes in there in yes, the dress of their country. It is a real, I think, a show of diversity yeah. and just togetherness, mm-hmm. especially. We're a very divided world in this day and age. So mm-hmm. to have like 2.4 billion people of this planet represented at this service that embraces all faiths backgrounds and all the rest of it it's cool i'm Mm. i'm all for it (laughs) (laughs) like we're really big on the commonwealth ceremony so it's this beautiful ceremony and everyone just looks gorgeous and so royal and 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 beautiful uh but the moment i think a lot of people are also talking about is kind of what you were alluding to where there was this moment where they had a chance to have the optics of unity. Mm. And a lot of the younger royals were all sitting together. And it appears in this moment, uh, Meghan sort of mouths hello to uh, William and, and, and Kate, who are sitting somewhat nearby to them. And yeah. it appears as if no one really gestures back. Yeah. Was that your takeaway as well? You know, it's so tough to know. We're not It there. is tough. I mean, I, listen, I, I actually was supposed to go to the mm-hmm. ceremony and I, I stayed at the palace mm. for so long that I, it wasn't possible to, to make it yeah. across town. Uh, in fact, I think by the time Harry and Meghan had wrapped up there and they still needed to change, <laughs> uh, they had like minutes to, yeah. to, to be out. And I don't travel in a motorcade, so... <laughs> you <laughs> I had don't? No, <laughs> I had no hope. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we need to point out that we're going off a live feed that came mm-hmm. from inside the Abbey that didn't remain on the couples at all times. That's so a really it was, good point. And so yeah. as much as I would like to 
talk about it definitively mm-hmm. there is always the chance that something took place when the camera wasn't on them yeah but i think the initial moment when the cambridges arrived and the sussexes both said hello and it was what looked like a frosty reception to that that felt weird to me because i thought that that initial hello yeah regardless of what may have happened on camera and over the next 10 minutes before the queen sat down uh, was a chance to show the world that everything is fine yeah, it, regardless of what may have happened up until this point it's a good and i point. was really surprised that for a group of people that are so bloody professional when it comes to putting on a good face and and putting on a show no matter what i mean when you're a member of the royal family and you're out there and you're doing the work the engagements you are on yeah yeah there is never an off moment that's for behind palace walls and that's very much the keep calm and carrying on of the Mm, royal family mm -hmm. so to be unable to do that in such a public setting as i said i think that's very telling as to where where things are at at the moment two things that I just want to point out. One, you're 100% right. We do not know all that went down. And so no one should assume anything like you mentioned, you know, maybe there was hugs and celebration together <laughs> just off camera. But I don't, it's a really good point that the the chance they had for that first impression when everyone was watching, they clearly did not capitalize on, which is telling. And the other point I just want to highlight is that you dropped bloody into the sentence, which is just so British of you. And I just really <laughs> love it. And I just wanted to mention that in the middle of this podcast. <laughs> So here's my challenge to you. Oh, gosh. Okay. Please bring bloody into something <laughs> over the next week. Challenge accepted. That did not, I'll bring like a, an Aturio. Um Also, before we wrap up, tell me more about what it was like being at this final engagement with Megan. I know you described it as being so emotional before. and uh, But what was it like also for you? I mean, you had the chance to hug her goodbye. You've covered them so closely yeah. for, you know, the couple of years that they've had this role. Uh, what was it like for you to be there? It was surreal. Mm-hmm. I, I firstly didn't know I was even covering it until the morning of. Mm-hmm. And I had a message uh, from the palace uh, saying, that, you know, that the couple or Megan would like um, to have certain people mm-hmm. there for this final moment. And as we know, you know, the couple moving forward would like to sort of have a slightly different media arrangement with the way that their work's covered. I don't think they're they're really looking to have these very managed stage managed moments of getting out of a car waving going into a building and all the people taking their pictures and they just want it to be about the work and i think that of course there'll be red carpet moments here and there and whatnot but i this was almost a sign of things to come um and i think it's great that they had a chance to do that while still members of the royal family but yeah being there i think it was only when megan came in the room uh and I realized where we were. We were in the 1844 room, which is one of the state rooms at Buckingham Palace. It has seen a lot sure. over the years. And I thought it was really poignant that we were there for the last moment of Meghan's sort of working royal life. Uh, it, the reality set in. And I think just as, as much as it was uh, a major moment for Meghan, I think for everyone there, whether you were staff, whether you were... Uh, from the ACU you know they've had like a long relationship with Megan too and I I thought it was great that Megan used this as an opportunity to show the world that she was taking work with her that these Mm. patronages are very much part of the picture moving forward and I had a chat with um, Joanna Newman who's the 
Secretary General of the ACU. And she's gotten to know Megan really well over the last sort of year or so, or since before that Fiji speech that Megan gave. And she said that Megan, the impact that Megan's had on the ACU uh, from a press or a media perspective has been so strong since they've had her on board and not as she puts it because the you know the articles are about she wore this and she arrived at this time and she spoke to this person she brings up things that actually make headlines so there have been discussions about not enough black women or black people in general uh, working as lecturers or academics in the uh, sort of higher education field in the UK uh, there's been talks about period poverty i mean megan has really been unafraid to sort of bring more mm -hmm. to the role than perhaps we've seen in the past and that was something that she said you know you can't buy that you know she said the fact that we're on gma the fact mm -hmm. that we're on, in harper's bazaar or whatever you know th these are places we never would have reached before so i thought that alongside the young people who were talking about relevant issues to today it was very much like Megan establishing like this is what I'm taking with yeah. me but yeah to bring it back to how I felt I think I felt excited for them to be honest yeah. you know we've the last few months we've been talking about what's next for them and now it feels like it's in place and they're about to go off and do that and um, although it was a, a farewell to Megan, we know it's not the last time. And I've said this over and over again, the interest in the Duke and Duchess of Sussex doesn't change. They're still members of the royal family, the, a family that is the most talked about family in the world. Fine, they're, they're no longer an HRH. Fine, they're no longer working royals. But they're still engaging in the same issues that they were before. And I think that that will continue long into the future. Uh, but I do hope and they're not listening to this, but <laughs> I do hope that they take a minute just to rest Breathe. and yeah. sort of heal and l just let things, the dust settle for a while because they're so keen to just get on with the work. But ultimately, it's only worth getting to the finish line or achieving that goal that they're so keen to get to if uh, you make it across the finish line in one piece. I love that mindset, though, that this is the time for them to be excited, that you're looking towards the future right now. Yes, it was a bittersweet week for them, but it's an exciting time. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I have not forgotten the challenge that I sent you. Oh, no. It's <laughs> going to be bloody difficult. Is hey, that pretty good? Hey that's not bad. <laughs> Uh, thank you guys, as always, for sending in your tweets. Uh, if you want to reach me at the show, I'll send any feedback or just say hello. Just use the hashtag the AirPod. I'm at Scoby Maggie. At Maggie Ruling. Love it. Um, and yes, next week it will be a slightly different show. Uh, I will not be self isolated, but I will be working remotely. So we'll see how that works. Um, <laughs> Bring, bring the puppy. It, it will be interesting. Yes, that will be the one day I don't actually need to hire a dog sitter. <laughs> uh, thank you as always to Anthony Alley, Leighton Schneider and Mike Dubusky in New York for making the show sing. And until the next episode, take care. Bye, guys. Bye.